well, hey, uh, not my office right now. Uh, and I promise you that uh, I'm not trying to be all trendy or anything. I'm not really a very trendy person. Um, but uh, this whole podcasting in the car thing uh, always seems kind of fun. So I thought we'd give it a shot today. Uh, especially since today uh, I don't really have a Bible study per se on this podcast, but as we are uh, moving closer and closer toward November, and in particular because as of yesterday uh, it became clear uh, who is going to be running on both major party tickets in this upcoming election, both Republican and Democrat, it's become uh, pretty clear uh, who's running on both sides now. As uh, Biden has uh, declared his running mate for VP is going to be Kamala Harris. So now it's out there in the open. We know who uh, is going to be running in the, uh, in, as, as the days go by. So I thought, you know, this might be a good opportunity to talk about uh, our place as believers in the political realm and when it comes to things like voting in particular. Um, the idea of running for office as a believer is a great idea, and that's a different topic that I'm going to really talk about today. I'd really kind of like to keep it toward the idea of voting and just uh, our place as the average citizen in that process uh, here in our country. Let me start by simply saying that as a believer, and especially as an informed believer, you should vote. Let me encourage you to really think about voting and not uh, not relinquishing that privilege. Um, I will say that I, I like to include the idea of being an informed voter if you're gonna vote. I used to sort of just think that, hey, if you're 18 and you've got the right to vote, you should get out and vote. But if you don't really know the issues and you don't pay any attention to where people stand on them and you really are voting for some other reason, like, you know, uh, what a candidate looks like or, you know, if they say things that you don't really understand what they mean by them and that, if you're not an informed voter, then I'm, I'm maybe more prone to say maybe don't vote. But, uh, but you do have the right and privilege. And certainly as a believer, as believers, we should, uh, as individuals, take it upon ourselves to understand the issues to educate ourselves on where candidates stand and all those kinds of things. And in doing so, I think we should take advantage of the privilege that we have to vote and to participate in the system. It matters that we, uh, that we vote. And, uh, you know, the question always comes up, well, does it really matter that I vote? I mean, after all, my vote is just one vote and the whole thing is fixed and there's millions and millions of votes anyway and all this kind of thing. Does it really matter if I vote? Uh, well, the short answer to that is yes, it does. And it's not just it matters in principle. Um, but uh, in fact, uh, if you understand how the Electoral College works, uh, and, and presuming that most people probably don't, I'm going to actually include a link to a video by a really, really prolific writer on this subject named Tara Ross. And uh, I'll encourage you to watch the video she did for Prager University, which kind of simply but, uh, but or succinctly explains the importance of the, uh, of the Electoral College and how it works and why it matters and why we should keep it uh, and all that. But that's a different, uh, that's a topic that I'll, I'll commend you to the video to watch. But let me just simply say that yes, your vote does matter. Uh, uh, and so you should educate yourself on the topic and go out there and participate. Uh, and whether you early vote or vote on election day, I like to vote on election day. I'm a little bit traditional that way. But uh, let me encourage you to go ahead and make sure you do do that because you don't want to blow off your you're right and you're privileged to do this. It's a great opportunity and you should take advantage of it. Um, and then secondly, uh, more to the meat of the question, what do I do if I don't really have a candidate that I can really get behind? Uh, you know, the last election in 2016 uh, pitted uh, Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton. And, you know, uh, 
let me let me share a couple of thoughts on this that uh, may not be wildly popular, but uh, but I hope that they're thought provoking. Uh, I voted for Donald Trump, and I didn't vote for him because I necessarily like him, particularly as a person. I didn't vote for him because I think he's got high moral character. I didn't vote for him because uh, I think he's the answer to. Uh, all of our problems here uh, in America and all this kind of thing, and he's a great candidate and all that kind of thing. I, I voted for him because of certain platform uh, decisions he said he would make. Uh, I voted for him because of the way he promised uh, to uh, nominate certain Supreme Court justices and certain kinds of justices and constitutionally minded justices and such. And so these things were important to me, and so I voted. But to the question of what about a perfect candidate, well, I think we need to stop and think about the fact that we really rarely ever have what you would call a perfect candidate. We don't necessarily have uh, the choice of, of making, uh, uh, of making a, a choice, I should say, we, we don't really uh, have the opportunity to make a choice of perfect candidates. We don't have, uh, even in many cases, ideal candidates, but what we do have is what we have. And so when we recognize the people that are running for office, we have the option of either kind of relinquishing our responsibility to participate and letting the system sort of just do its own thing without us and letting those who do vote make the decision, or we can do our best to make a decision that lines up most with the next point I want to make, our biblical worldview. Uh, and so don't get hung up on the fact that you don't have a perfect candidate. I'll be honest with you, the only candidate that I ever feel like I would have felt like 100% behind was running for office before I was old enough to vote, and that was Ronald Reagan. Uh, I would have absolutely voted for Reagan uh, and all that. I, I'm one of those guys that think his face should be on Mount Rushmore. But that being said, uh, all the candidates that I have had a chance to vote for, I've liked some more than others on a personal note, but I, since I don't necessarily agree with everything that any candidate stands for, I'm always forced to have to choose between uh, someone who better reflects where I do stand on the issues and someone who doesn't. And so I make the choice and I, 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 I go ahead and I, I make my vote. And so that being said, um, I think that's the position that we should take, recognizing that we don't have a perfect opportunity or a perfect uh, choice. We just have what we have. And if we don't participate, then someone else will make our choices for us. And, uh, and we don't really want that. When we have an opportunity to, to participate and to let our voices be heard, then we should do that when we can. And voting is one of the premier ways that we have to do that. And so that being said, let me go ahead and, and kind of speak to the next point I wanted to, which I've started to allude to already. And that is the idea of voting with a biblical worldview. I'm not even saying vote your conscience, because sometimes, uh, you know, we, we may sort of not be walking with the Lord really solidly, and so our conscience may not be as sharp as it might normally be. So let me say uh, to, to someone in that kind of a place, uh, get your nose in the Bible, man, and, and get, get, get re-acclimated to what God has to say about issues and uh, topics and such, and educate yourself on where God stands on the issues that matter, things like abortion, things like homelessness, things like Believe it or not, even the economy and how the government spends money. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about all of these topics and so many more. And so when we vote as believers, we should be voting based on our biblical worldview, not necessarily our pocketbooks. We shouldn't just be voting on the economy and what helps us to get 
uh, you know, stay comfortable or, or, or get wealthy and those kinds of things, but rather, strictly speaking, a biblical worldview. What candidate, and neither candidate's going to truly honor God with everything that they do, and sometimes those things are beyond their capacity to really control. But insofar as we can, we vote for the candidate that best lines up with our biblical worldview. If you don't have a biblical worldview, let me encourage you to cultivate one. Again, spend time in the Word, spend time in prayer, be around other biblically-minded Christians, and have discussions about things like this. Have Develop a safe group of friends where you guys can talk openly about topics like politics and, and get some insights on what it means to vote biblically if you're not accustomed to doing that. Uh, and in fairness, that may be kind of a new idea for you, and I, I want to respect the fact that you may be coming from a different place on this. And so as I encourage you to vote biblically, that of course requires us to adopt a biblical worldview which requires us to spend time in the Word. And it's important that we recognize the implications of the choices we make when we vote like this. Again, I mentioned the idea of the president nominating Supreme Court justices. Well, that's a, that's a generational kind of a decision. And so when you vote for a president, even if you don't like the president, uh, the, the odds are that they're going to have an opportunity to nominate at least one Supreme Court justice in the course of their presidency. Donald Trump, if he's elected for a second term, will have had likely by the end of his uh, second term uh, would would have the chance to uh, to uh, nominate a third Supreme Court justice. He nominated Brett Kavanaugh, Neil Gorsuch. Uh, those guys are on the court. And uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg will likely retire uh, due to illness or something like that over the course of the next four years. It's highly probable, which means that the next president will have a chance to nominate a Supreme Court Justice. If it's Trump, it'll be a third. That's extraordinary. Now, for all of us as believers who pray for the president, whether Republican or Democrat, by the way, we shouldn't just be praying for one president. We should be praying for whoever's in office. Um, we want to pray that that person makes choices that ultimately, you know, to some degree, uh, honors biblical truth and what God would have to say about these things. And as Christians, we again have a place in voting for these uh, officials as they make those decisions. And so again, let me just encourage you to think about this as you go uh, into election season. On another note, let me just uh, encourage you as well to become educated on the candidates that are running so that you don't necessarily just vote party ticket. Uh, if you don't know enough about the candidates, but you know the party platform, uh, the platform is that, uh, that, that set of principles that a particular party holds to. Uh, if we look at, uh, uh, you know, let's just say a somewhat benign topic, it's not, not, no topics are benign, but maybe less incendiary topic. Uh, when we talk about things like the economy, uh, Democrats tend to be much more liberal when it comes to economic things, and Republicans tend to be much more conservative in those ideas. Uh, and, and what that, there's a lot to what that means. But when you want to vote conservatively from an economic standpoint, you tend to go Republican. When you think more liberally in that regard, you tend to vote Democrat. My suggestion is not just strictly voting party platform, but where does your particular representative stand on this? It's not unheard of for a Democrat to be more uh, conservative than his Republican opponent in an election. And so I just say that to say you shouldn't just vote party line, but you should take the time to educate yourself on these topics so that you can vote based on a candidate's view and uh, not just assume that every candidate is necessarily thinking the same way based on their as their party is. 
Uh, and then lastly, let me uh, let me just kind of close with a thought that that is uh, that is certainly rooted, like the other points, but maybe even more so, in uh, in in, uh, uh, in a in a scriptural context. Uh, and that's the idea of the demeanor and attitude that as believers we bring into election season. Uh, Christian kindness and charity and speech that is seasoned with salt uh, and grace, these things should personify the believer. And of course, anybody can do that when you're in polite company, when you're in like-minded company. But the mandate for us to be this way to, to be Christ-like uh, is most important when we're among those who don't know Christ. Or frankly, let me even simplify it even more than that. Even if they do know Christ, but they stand in a very different place than we do politically. Uh, the kind of uh, vitriol that can sometimes come out of a Christian's mouth or, 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 or express their attitudes uh, in, in terms, in things like politics, oftentimes, uh, Boy, to say it's not what Jesus would do is being kind. Uh, and so we want to be mindful that we, regardless of who we're talking to and wherever they stand politically, that when we have discussions, and frankly, even debates, I'm a big fan of, of even heated debate in so long as we keep it civilized. I think it is possible to have a heated debate where, where we do actually create more light than heat, actually, where we can talk about things passionately even when we disagree. Uh, our country was founded on principles that are in, encompassed in, in ideas like uh, in, in places like the First Amendment, where we are allowed to express our ideas openly and fully, and we should be able to do so in a civilized manner. Uh, and especially as Christians, where we have a new nature that allows us to do battle against the pride and arrogance that often creeps to the surface uh, in conversations like these. Um, and one of the reasons why I think we sometimes fall into that so easily is because we forget that at the heart of our politics, as believers, you and I are ultimately neither Democrat nor Republican, but we're actually monarchists. When we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what we're saying is, is that the current order of things, which by the way is both democratic and republican in America, dictatorial in many other countries and such, and the various other contexts they find them, uh, people find themselves, when we pray, your will be done, your kingdom come and such, we're asking God to shake the whole order up and establish his kingdom. And when we forget that ultimately, when we vote, we're voting for things that best line up with his perspective, with God's perspective, um, because it's the right thing to do, but not because we think that the kingdom is going to come from Washington. Uh, when we forget that, we sometimes put much, far too much stock in where politics ultimately will lead us. Uh, the truth of the matter is, if, and if you've ever watched any of our discussions on prophecy, You've probably uh, you've probably heard me go to Daniel chapter two. We just recently did a podcast on this where we talked about Daniel chapter two uh, and the idea of kingdom dominion theology in that. But the idea that that we're going to establish a kingdom for God, uh, for Jesus ultimately come back and, and rule and reign from, uh, is a flawed view. It's a faulty view. It's an unscriptural view. The Bible tells us that Jesus will come and establish his kingdom. The God of heaven will establish a kingdom that will never end and will ultimately put away all of the other kingdoms of this world. And so when we vote, we want to recognize that we have a responsibility and a right 
But that voting and the impact of that voting, while it has import right now, and it has impact right now, uh, in the long run, we're not looking for Washington to solve every problem. We're not looking for Washington to be the ultimate deliverer of righteousness. Um, we do want them to, to act righteously, but ultimately we're looking past them uh, to the kingdom of God when it ultimately comes. And so when we recognize that we can own, the best that we can do is only the best that we can do for right now, but we have a far, uh, much farther reaching perspective on things, that should allow us to have these conversations politically and, and honestly. If we understand things from a kingdom mindset, not only is politics an opportunity to talk about politics, but it's an opportunity to talk about the coming of the Lord. And so we should be cognizant of these things as believers, because this is a place that, uh, contrary to the old adage that the two things you don't talk about are religion and politics, I would absolutely reject that ridiculous premise and say, no, if there's anything we should be talking about, primarily it should be religion and our faith in Christ. And politics shouldn't be too far down the road because politics does have something to do with our everyday life, the way our society functions and all those kinds of things. And we wanna make sure that we participate in those things. So bringing it back around, uh, make sure you vote and make sure you understand what you're voting for, who you're voting for, and in who you're voting for, what platforms you're supporting and make sure that these things line up biblically to the best that they can. Choose the candidate. Again, no one's gonna be perfect. Uh, until Jesus comes, there's never gonna be a leader that is gonna check all the boxes. But to the best of your ability, find out who checks the most in a, in a Christ-like fashion and vote that way. And do the church a solid, honor the Lord, uh, do the right thing. You know, uh, like I tell my students in government class, my intention is not to tell you how to vote, but simply to help give you the tools to help you think about how to vote. And as Christians, we should be thinking Christianly about this. We should be infusing the principles of scripture. We should be infusing uh, our understanding and knowledge of the kingdom of God into our decisions about these things so that we can make the best choice possible and even honor the Lord with those choices. That being said, I'm not telling you who to vote for but vote for somebody who, to the best of your ability, lines up with what Jesus himself would do. If he was in the voting booth with you, who do you think he might choose of the two or three candidates, uh, or more, based on whatever the, 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 um, the, the contest is? Um, think about that, and be honest and open about it, because it may not line up with the one you might first choose to vote for, who might suit some of your particular interests better, but rather vote for someone who suits the interests of Christ better. And with that said, uh, I'll go ahead and leave it there. And again, just some thoughts. Try not to be too rambling about it. I actually did have some notes jotted down here. It wasn't just all off the top of my head. But um, uh, but that said, if you have comments or questions or thoughts, uh, maybe some additional points that you'd like to add to the conversation, go ahead and leave the comments below on our YouTube channel or uh, you can comment on my personal website at parsonspad.com as well. Uh, you can also email me both through that website at parsonspad.com or from our church where I pastor at calvarychapelfranklin.com. And from there, you can uh, you can email me, you can comment, you can tell me you think it was a terrible uh, point and you don't agree with anything, whatever it might be. I welcome the interactions and the conversations. I think it's good for us to have discussions about these things. So thanks for watching and uh, we'll be back into the scripture again next time. But I just want to share a few thoughts that were kind of on my mind as we move further and further into uh, kind of the political season as it unfolds here in this 2020 election coming up. So hope this was valuable and useful in some way to you. We'll catch up with you next time. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that you give us. 
to participate in our politics. Many people around the world don't have the privilege that we have, but we thank you that you give us the opportunity, the privilege, the right uh, to elect our leaders in a government by the people for the people. What a unique and amazing blessing we have in living in this country and the freedoms that we have, though chaotic and crazy as our as our society might be right now, Father, it still is, uh, is a million miles away from what so many people have to deal with every day. And Father, we pray for those who don't have the freedoms we have, that live under dictatorships and such, where their voices have no weight, have no sway. We pray that, Father, they'd remember that ultimately you hear their cries, you see their plights, and you ultimately respond to their prayers. And Father, help us in the land of privilege to not forget that as well. That Father, when we vote for officials and we elect people, help us to remember that at the end of the day, uh, your kingdom's not gonna come based on who we elect. Your kingdom's gonna come when you decide it's time. So in the meantime, help us to uh, to redeem the time and, and to vote in, in such a way that we would, uh, to the best of our ability, encourage a society that lives in uh, as much as possible in a godly kind of a way. That's our freedom and our right in this country. So help us to use it and not forsake it or abuse it. Help us to put you first, even in the voting booth. We thank you, we praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.